doing so many different flips and I did all, we did all over the country, you know, in Florida and Arizona and Ohio and Nevada. And that got me in touch with a lot of people all across the country. And um, that introduced me to a business partner of mine uh, now in Ohio. And, you know, he and I, he was basically buying properties uh, 10 at a time from this holding company that bought all the assets of a distressed hedge fund. He was, he was a wholesaler who actually left a lot of meat on the bone. He was buying 10 at a time and he was selling them actually primarily to out of the country uh, realtors, uh, excuse me, out of the country investors. And, you know, I did that a couple times with them and I'm like, you know what, why don't we just buy a hundred of these together? You know, you do all the day-to-day -day stuff, I'll provide or, or find the financing for it and let's just let them cash flow like crazy. And you know, it took a little bit of pulling teeth because he was very into that wholesaler mentality, but uh, but you know, it, it worked. And you know, we went to, and I mean, that's a whole story too of of, of the back and forth of that. I make it sound a lot easier than it was. And the guy who you know I offered my first offer to to purchase these hundred properties, he told me my favorite thing. He told me to go f myself because <laughs> my offer was too low. That, that means you're on the right track. <laughs> escrow a couple more times uh, and they fell out of escrow uh, and, and I got that call back you know about four or five months later hey Chris you, you, you're still interested and I'm like yeah yeah John I am interested <laughs> the price is going down <laughs> you didn't throw that back in his face you told me to left myself no 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 I, I did throw it back in his face but yeah I'm interested but the price has gone down oh, nice so uh before we dig deeper, though, because I want to educate the, is there a quick way to summarize how you actually protect yourself on just that first deal? How do you got enough knowledge and you know confidence that you're going to put your money? Because I know there's sure. going to be a lot of scams out there, and people selling air, right, and people Absolutely. doing some really shady deals. So how do you protect yourself that you know, hey, my 400k is going to come back at 406,000 in 24 hours? Like, what are right. these contract review? Like, what what's what's your process? Right, right. Well, especially back then, it was it was called an A to B, B to C transaction. So. Your, uh, your A was the bank slash uh, short sale homeowner, your B was the investor buying that house, and your C was a retail buyer. Uh, and they had to be, you had to provide what's called wet funds. So you had to make them two distinct transactions. The investor buys from the bank slash homeowner, and then B to C resells to a, real, uh, to a retail buyer. Now, uh, in the past, it would just be C would pay A's money, B would take you know, the arbitrage, they would take the money in the mail. But then there was some fraud, so they, they made them two distinct transactions. So uh, what I'm trying to say is that we would have C's money in escrow. Um, we couldn't use it for the transaction, but we knew it was there. Gotcha. So it was really a pure, pure arbitrage situation where although I was wiring 400 grand over there, more than 406 was already sitting there in that same right, yeah. escrow office, yeah. you know, waiting. So it was it was literally, I wired my money in there, and some days it would be same day, uh, and it would get wired back. Wow. Um, so it was it was just one of those pure arbitrage situations. So Is there anything that um, you can tell the audience about, like, the contract that you saw, or, like, how you educate on that? Like, did you hire an attorney? Did you, what did... Yeah, yeah, well, I, I, I did what... Uh, probably a lot of people do, and what I've done with a lot of businesses that I do is I, I find other people who've done exactly the same thing, and I either copy their paperwork exactly, or um, I do, or maybe I'll partner with them and, and learn from them, but um, 
No, I, I pay a lot for lawyers and fees now, but back then that was just not something I could necessarily. Because running afford. businesses across state lines, I know how the different the nuances are and little things that people can get you on. So I know sure. that, that totally matters, especially in the sure, Indian sure. market of the, the flip. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, in the beginning, again, I was only dealing with California, so you know it was easier to figure that out. But uh, I mean, when you got such a quick flip like that, you do have to have paperwork for in case there's any contingencies. But again. It's pure arbitrage. Uh, you know, your biggest worry is that somebody at the escrow company decides to wire their money to the Bahamas or something. Yeah. But, but <laughs> and that, that was my worry at the time. But then you start realizing that, you know, all these title companies. I mean, they're they're underwritten by, you know, just a less than a handful of, of, of the big boys out there. So if something goes wrong, your money's going to get paid back. Assuming you have title insurance, which which is, of yeah, course I did. You have yeah, to, of yeah. course, of yeah. course. Mm -hmm. So, okay, so let's fast forward now. You're doing big time deals. You're getting 100 units in Ohio, and you're uh, flipping these things. You're renting them cash flow. Yes. And then uh, tell us now what, what what goes on in those years. What year is this, by the way? Uh, this was 2011. That's I think. your first big deal, big big deal. It, it not only was it my first big deal, but I had never been a landlord before that. Yeah. Oh, wow. So like overnight, I, I become a you know landlord to an umpteen number of uh, single family <laughs> houses and duplexes. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I, I did say 100, and we did go into escrow for 100 of them, but 20 of the properties, the, the title issues were just so bad that I just decided, and I kind of kick myself now because I really wish I had those properties, um, I, to, uh, to let them go. So we actually closed on 80 properties. I like the just so transparent honesty. You know, it's not a hundred. Everyone, it's just it's only, just only just eighty. 80 oh, we did get over. <laughs> we, we did get over a hundred. Uh, you know, we would we still would buy you know packs of properties, and you know we were we were well over a hundred at one point. But um, no, I, I I had a friend who was willing to uh, to buy a bunch. Uh, it's actually a friend uh, that Chase and I have in common um, that wanted to buy some of our properties, and that uh, got all my initial capital back. I, I saw them about, I think it was either 30 or 40 properties, and um, that brought down the number of units I had, but it got all my initial capital back. Gotcha. Yeah. And now you moved that capital to Florida? Uh, well, to be honest, initially, uh, I the way I got the money is, as I told you before, I, I, I like investing in the stock market too. And when I got that big deal, I actually borrowed against my stock portfolio on margin, uh, portfolio margin to be exact. And it was cheap, cheap, cheap money. And it's still relatively cheap if you go at the right place. Like uh, I think Interactive Brokers is like 2%. And wow. you can borrow up to 80% of your portfolio. Um, so it went honestly back to pay that off. Yeah. Um, to pay yeah. the margin off. And I'll, I'll, still, I'll still use that uh, margin for short like fix and flip deals. Mm -hmm. um, I'll use it for that. And... Um, you know, in terms of fix and flips and such, I actually started in doing it in California uh, when that you know, you know, when the short sale boom and foreclosures were going through. I was buying as many of those as I could, and uh, in Temecula, and, and I, I really loved the, the South Riverside area that was just booming at the time mm -hmm. in terms of the value you could get it at, and um, you know, sometimes fixing it up, sometimes barely you know touching it, and uh, yep. you're able to resell it and make you know good money on it. Um, yeah, so, and again, I borrowed from the portfolio where I, I then had, you know, equity in the house, so I, I got a HELOC on my home, and uh, I would borrow against the HELOC and then pay it off, 
What, what is so, the percent? I mean, it's got to be a small percent, but you've had to have lose on some of these deals, right? Some of them had to be like, ouch, right? Anybody who hasn't lost money on a deal hasn't done a lot of deals. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, you're, you're making it sound like it's so easy. Like, I'm thinking, like, how does this guy find the deals? Because I need, I mean, because yeah. obviously you're networking yeah. and kind of getting sure. your feet wet with the first people, you know, the Costa Mesa deal, and then all of a sudden you're going out of state and you're meeting some new people that create the, and you get the guy from Ohio that's a wholesaler Absolutely. and he kind of finds these portfolios. But there's got to be some just shitty deals that you actually invested in, you're like, damn it, you know, I got Absolutely, it. absolutely. And, and I would argue that the, the definition of a successful entrepreneur is how quickly you can get up from those bad deals. Because I've, I've seen plenty of entrepreneurs that, you know, when the going was good, you know, they were all at it and all at it. That's right. And then as soon as the market shifts or they had one bad deal, um, they just, they can't motivate themselves to move up from there. So absolutely, I have had some. <laughs> can you tell us like a horror story? Can you tell us one of them, one or two um, of these horror stories, so that we can at least, you know, because we want to make sure you're a real guy. Right now, you're telling sure. like real estate yeah. guy. Like, sure. I touch it. it we turns led to with gold. the guru. Yeah, yeah. yeah. like I touch it, it turns to gold. I resell it for yeah. gold value, and then boom, the next, yeah. next deal. Thank you. And 24 well, hours, it's in my bank. Well, I want I want to clear something up too, because you said, would you describe yourself as a guru? And to, and to me. Like the two guru is usually somebody who wants to sell you something. Especially in real estate, I find there's a lot of uh, gurus and charlatans out there that actually practice very little real estate and are more about selling their program than That's anything right. else. That's and, right. Um, so I, I guess I shy away from that comment. But um, absolutely. I mean, I, there, there was a time where I, I tried to create this product where um, I would go talk to hard money lenders who would loan money. To, uh, to investors, um, and I would piggyback on top of them with a second and get uh, an equity split as well as a preferred you know, interest rate on it. Mm-hmm. And um, because of my knowledge in, in you know, fix and flips, I felt it was relatively safe. Uh, and I, on, on the first deal that I did that, uh, it just, oh, I just kicked myself, but it went completely south. And you know the investor had done a number of deals with this hard money lender, but it just happened to be the one that I got involved in that uh, the deal went completely south. Uh, they were over budget on their property, and they just they declared bankruptcy. And you know I went to foreclose, we went to foreclose on them, and and this was in L.A., so they got a really really shyster attorney, who and it was unbelievable. They they. For instance, moved a uh, one of the clients uh, had a motorcycle that they uh, had a the BMW was going to foreclose on, so they moved that into the garage. They actually installed the TV in the house and said that we're foreclosing on something that we're renting to. Um, so it was just it was this process that just took forever to cure. And unfortunately, um, you know, I didn't lose money on that, but I also didn't make money on it either. And when you're talking about over half a million bucks that you're, you know, going sideways on and you actually have to put work into, um, that was stressful. That was, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How many months was your half a million tied up for before you could finally? It was about two years. Wow. Yeah, about two years. So that was that was a high stress point. Um, and and then I had another one where I, I the same product. And um, I tried it again, and uh, it was a house in Palm Springs, and I, I didn't pay enough attention to how they were fixing up the house, and they put all this like dark stain in, in, a, in a, 
I mean, who wants a dark stained house when it's 120 degrees outside? You want it to be light and bright. And, uh, you know, they ended up going up. So they just couldn't sell the house and, and make up uh, the money. And the first foreclosed on them. And I didn't have a relationship with the first. So uh, they got basic. I got wiped out. And I lost about 60 grand on that, too. Wow. So, yeah. Okay. Well, let's go back to the, the gold man now and how you rebounded. So t- tell us about that mentality of you. I mean, because that, that 500K thing has probably got to be pretty painful, like locked in there and like dealing with this guy, this shyster, you know, like, sure. so how do you re- reset yourself? Because you already had enough stuff that was going along that was positive and you kind of built it off that? Or what, what did you say to yourself or what, what's kind of the self-talk like to say, like, hey, this is just one of the, Adam and I have done hundreds of deals or I don't know how many you've done at that point where you say, this is still it. Like, I'm still Yeah, working. you know, there comes a point where you just have to say, uh, let the lawyers take it over and take care of it. It's beyond my control at this time and move on to things where I can make money. Gotcha. And, you know, and, and I had to either pinch pennies or I had to find money with other people that had faith in me, you know, to invest in other projects. And um, I just had a number of other projects going on that were consistently creating, you know, wealth and income. And you just, you know, even though, yeah, I'll admit I had sleepless nights over that stuff. But you can't allow that to take over your life and your mentality. You have to have that mindset of, of what I call choosing your attitude. You, you wake up every morning and you can decide, do I want to make this a shitty day or maybe make it a good day? Can I, can I like really discipline myself to do that? And, and you can. You can do that. You, and I don't want to say lie to yourself, but you have to put yourself in that right mindset. Mental gymnastics, baby. Yeah, mm-hmm. okay. absolutely. So what, what is your due, I mean, your due diligence process got to be pretty crazy, right? But you're not seeing all these properties. So a lot of these properties yeah. are doing sight unseen, purchasing. You have some boots on the ground or something out there. That and and, and that's, that's really what it comes to is that there was a lot of due diligence in the beginning. But now, um, you know, I've, I fortunately have created really good teams of people that I trust who are highly motivated to find good things. And they're highly paid. Much more so than if I did it myself, um, and so my due diligence is 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 is, is very very little at this point. Um, For yourself, but you have a team that's doing the presenting. Oh yeah, you yeah. Trust doing tons of the yeah due diligence. On and your risk tolerance has grown. Uh, just it, it, you know, you're willing to take on more because you can afford to. You know, you can weather a loss sure. at this point. So you know, it, it, that may open up other opportunities that aren't necessarily on the books for other people. Yeah, yeah, but uh, you know, it, it's always in the back of your mind. I mean, if you're investing a lot of money in, in one, let's say, um, I, I've got a lot in Florida. I mean, what, what if the market turns and I'm knee deep in you know 18 rehabs over there? You know, do you have other outs? Yeah. And I always like to make sure that there are other potential outs. If I if I can't you know sell it and make all my money back, uh, well then at least from the beginning make sure that there's a good cushion so that you can at least get your principal back. Uh, you know, or you know maybe you rent it out until uh, until the market turns around, um, or you decide just pull it out and take a small, hopefully just a small loss. But you're always doing those mental games of you know, what if. What if? All right, I just got a couple more questions. You've been an awesome guest, and uh, you know I don't, I don't want to cut the, the time too short, but I yeah. think well, this will be the <laughs> longest pod that we do. Sure. Um, but what's your current day to day like? You know, yeah. running the firm. What do you? You know, is it just getting investors? Is it just building your team and sort of finding new markets that you know, and new new contacts in those markets to kind of be the boots on your? What What is your current day to day like? Right. Nice. Well, when I first went out on my own, I, I created a business plan, and and my business plan that was that the vast majority of the time, 
would be spent by other people doing the work for me. Um, so I don't do a ton of research of, uh, and you know, most of that work is being done by other people. And I, I've got a couple of big things right now. I've got my thing in Columbus where I've got a number of, uh, you know, rental, you know, properties, um, that's, you know, we're, we're cash flowing. And then in Florida, I'm doing a ton of fix and flips where, you know, I've got two guys on the ground who run everything and I provide, you know, the financing for it. Uh, and they do all the finding for it. So right now, my day-to-day -day is either, you know, quickly looking at some of the new projects or creating paperwork for those projects um, and a, a ton of research of, of I, I'm investing and thinking of looking at other markets too. Like uh, one of the things uh, this morning is I, I went to, uh, to Riverside and I was talking with a developer who's developing a whole bunch of new property in Florida which is not far from where I do my fix and flips. Okay, Riverside, yeah. property in Florida. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, because he's also of the same mindset. Uh, his name is Bruce Norris. Um, some people in real estate know who he is. But uh, yeah, I mean, he saw the same thing. He was heavily invested in California, and now he's moved a lot of his assets and a lot of where he spends his time in Florida because it's just find more value there. Mm -hmm. And um, I, I'm starting to think that you know, long term, right, right now, I, I'm mostly invested in terms of uh, real, you know, rental property in Columbus. Well, a lot of my property is very old property, and a lot of my money uh, and cash flow goes toward maintenance. Um, so even though you don't potentially make as much money with brand new development, uh, a lot of the headaches of rental properties can be solved by new development. Your maintenance costs go significantly lower. You tend to get a different kind of clientele who's renting, you know, a brand new place. Um, so I, I'm looking at some of these other markets in which I can uh, potentially invest. So all these years and all these deals, do you have like a certain top five or something principles of investing in real estate that you follow that you, when you see somebody's offering and you say, these are the top three things I want to check, cap rate this, that, and the other, like what are your, sure, what sure. Are your qualifiers right now? Uh, okay. Um, the first thing that comes to mind and it's definitely, it, it's so cliched, but it's so true. The people you work with is what's most important to me. Do I trust them? I'm, I'm going to be thousands of miles away very often with these deals. If I, if I can't trust them, it's not worth my time. It's not worth the headache. Um, so I, I've got to appreciate the people that I'm working with. Uh, and that might be business partners um, or it might be property management. But, um, you know, when, once you find a area you want to, you know, you want to invest in, You've got to find those people you can trust on the ground. Uh, I don't care how good the area is. I mean, there there are plenty of good areas that I've stayed away from because I just couldn't build a good enough team. And I, I, I like to be able to sleep at night, and I don't like getting with tenants and toilets myself. So I've got to have people that I can trust on the ground. Um, Okay, so you asked for five. But you don't have to. Uh, <laughs> just whatever so, comes to mind. What your, yeah, power, your well, power principles are. Yeah, right? yeah. And another thing is that you, you've got to be careful uh, in your markets that you've got decent opportunity for employment. Uh, if if you don't have it in the markets you invest in, uh, what kind of clientele are you going to get for tenants? Uh, or if there's a really good employment opportunity, but it's like one plant. The oh, yeah, yeah. distribution of income for the yeah right you right. people making rent, rent. Yeah, yeah exactly well, and, and and I uh, 
You know, I, I don't think short term. I, I think 10, 20 years down the line. I, I, I despise doing one-offs in business. I despise them. If I feel like there's a good deal with somebody, but I don't feel like I'm gonna be able to work with them in the future, I don't wanna put my blood and sweat and treasure and time toward a one-off. It's just, it's very often just not worth it for me uh, with the amount of due diligence and time you have to put into something. So definitely, you know, working with the right people, find a good market that has good employment opportunities for your tenants. And, um, how about, like you said, good. not one-off, so scale. You want to be able to replicate. You want to have greater opportunity than maybe just a one-off deal. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. you, you want to be able to scale. You want to, uh, you got to have really good paperwork. <laughs> and and, and this, this is important because when you establish a relationship and a new business partnership with somebody, you're, you're both on a high, you're starting something new together. That's the time you've got to have those discussions of, what do we do if X goes wrong, Y goes wrong, mm -hmm. uh, and, and have that written down, have a good idea of, of, of a plan. Of, and then make sure that you're both on, on, the, same, on the same level. Uh, because I depend so much on other people who are on the ground, um, I've gotta have that good paperwork, and I've, they've gotta be highly, highly motivated and incentivized to have a benefit for both of you. And unfortunately, I find most of the time that's not the case with property management. You know, property management benefits for me having a vacancy. They benefit when I have uh, maintenance that needs to get done. So I, I, I recommend to people that, you know, once you get to a certain scale of a number of houses, start thinking about how you can create that into a business that doesn't require management or requires management but it's management that you created you put somebody else in place to do that for you that's right if you have the scale of 100 properties and you're paying 200 dollars a property suddenly you might be able to pay a salary and and, and in-house that where there's actually margin for yourself I, yeah, i'm the same way as a business guy i despise the fact that there's sometimes these partnerships or vendors that you may use and they sort of are incentivized to when when things go south for you right. for your deal you know like that's right you know, i do i do insurance pnc i have a i don't do a lot right but i know the game enough where it's if if you pay more premiums the guy's getting more commission you know mm -hmm. what I'm saying? but he's supposed to recommend the best product for the best price uh -huh. technically for you right for the coverage that you need right but in reality it's like that doesn't necessarily there's a bit of a conflict yeah, 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 yeah. Conflict his interest and your interest are misaligned so. yeah yeah, but Tristan, you, you brought something up, and, and um, I, I kind of want to flesh that out a bit, because uh, it, it's not about when you have a certain number of properties, you can now replace that with somebody who's a salary worker. Yeah, that is a route, but I still feel you, you're not 100% aligned. For me, the best way to do that is to actually have a business partner that you're sharing the profits with. Um, that has worked best for me. So everyone feels the pain equally when there's a vacancy or right. when there's a maintenance problem or right. whatever the, the thing is that you're managing. Yeah. And, and then, I mean, there, there's a wealth of different ways to do this, but I mean, like one example from my guy in Ohio, for instance, I, I provided 100% of the capital and he provided, you know, 99% of the, the heavy lifting of doing the day-to-day -day operations. So from the beginning, he got 10% ownership. And then we had different milestones. Like uh, he got another 10%. 
once we hit 90% occupancy and then another for 10% a year or uh, or he would get you know it was written in that he would get an automatic 50% as soon as all my capital was paid back and you know because that that event actually did happen within two years he became a 50-50 partnership now I will say this guy is in his 20s and became a millionaire too because of this mm-hmm. um, but we are now totally aligned and we are totally on the same page and I don't have to deal with the tenants and toilets and he never had to deal with the risk of providing you know upfront capital that's right so for me that that's that's worked best for me um, but I do have some smaller markets where that's not really a feasible option but okay here's my last two questions it's basically just I want to know kind of like your next five years what you're looking at what you're working on and then kind of segueing into like the markets and you know, the current one with interest rates dropping right now and the current climate politically and what you kind of foresee, what, what do you see here probably locally mostly in Orange County and then kind of like what the, the, the markets you're going into that you really think are good? Sure, sure. If I'm going to be 100% honest with you, most, most of my goals are just not business related. I mean, I, I get I love that. Uh, it's just because I've created the business the way it is, the majority of my time is to on, on personal endeavors. So I could give you a... a Can you share like just one or two of those personal items? Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, I'd love to travel. So there's a number of different places that I would you know, love to continue to travel. Um, I love being able to spend as much time as I can with my, with my kids and you know, watching them grow up and having them you know, travel with us. Um, I, I had a goal of, you know, just this last week, I, I took the whole family to Yosemite. Now, most people think when you go to Yosemite, you, know, you just park your car and... You know, maybe you stay in one of the stare at a waterfall, and then you stare at a waterfall. <laughs> no, no, I, I took my family to the one side of Yosemite, and we through hiked all the way to the other side. Wow! And uh, that was that took a lot of training of, of of my kids and their mindset. Oh, and especially my wife. That took years to get my wife <laughs> to, you know, agree to, 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 to get it. Well, to, get, to really get into it. Right? My wife was of the mindset of, you know, why, why should we pretend like we don't live in houses, you know? <laughs> so, now, now we're going to have to do, you know, the yeah. second, we're going to have to do another episode because of training your wife. Uh, oh, yeah. yeah. He, oh, yeah. he did claim I mean, that he knew how. He did. He just took a couple of years. So, okay. I'm going to put what, what is coming to mouth here? Because the claim training he did of me, too. But you, you know what it is? It's just everything is in baby steps. You know, when, when you're first learning to ski, you look at the bottom of the hill and you're, you're, you're just scared, but if you go one foot in front of each other, you just got to do it in baby steps. And with my wife, it was just doing, I did car camping, I got a huge, huge <laughs> tent, I brought meals that I knew she would love, I brought these huge blow-up mattresses and all the beddings from home, and, you know, she you slept really well this. that night, <laughs> and she liked being outdoors, and the kids, you know, she loved watching the kids being outdoors, so. How does an L.A. city boy like you anyways get into all this, you know? Yeah, you know... When I was, it's because I learned from a very young age too. Although my parents weren't into it, I went to a camp in Colorado, <laughs> you know, starting at 10 years old, and I would spend a month out in Colorado. You chose? You just said you did some, hey, mom, dad, I want to go to this thing? Like, how, you have buddies? No, no, it's actually, it's an old, old camp. My dad went to this camp, my brother, my aunt. So uh, it's just a, a legacy family, thing to, to go there. And, it was great for me. I mean, I, I learned how to ride a horse, and learned how to shoot a gun, and learned how to go, you know, real respect for hiking, you know, and all that. So that started the passion. That, that really started that passion, and I love to mountain bike and do all those things too. Mm-hmm. But um, no, you know, I'm just gonna. It, it's mostly personal goals like that. But but again, it, it's important. 
uh, for me to travel and it's important for me to stay within my means because I want to stay financially independent. And, um, you know, I, I, I'm at some point here, my kids are going to be out and they're going to be in college. And probably at that point, you know, we either keep staying in our, our own house or we'll downsize a bit and I'll be spending six plus months out of the year traveling. I mean, that's awesome. really kind of where I see myself. You know, it's really fortunate that with what I do and the way my business is created that if I have a decent internet access and a couple hours a day, um, you stay plugged into the I, I can, yeah, I can do what and get what I need to be done. So now just market outlook. I don't know if Jason has any more, but this for me, this was, you did awesome. And this is one of the funnest ones I think for me because I was engaged, but uh, mm -hmm. I'm, I'm always engaged, but this one yeah. kind of hit, hit for me. So what what do you look at in the next six months for the market? How does the 2019 year end here in the Orange County market and then all the other ones yeah. that you're involved in, Florida, and Ohio? Yeah, uh, buy gold and silver, the apocalypse is coming. No, I'm kidding. I'm just, I'm just, I'm just teasing. Um, I like gold though. <laughs> I don't. I can't stand it. Gold is for, it's for teeth and adornment. And, uh, yeah. You know. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> I worked at a numismatic shop in La Jolla for a year, and I learned how to look at these coins and stuff. Got an uh, affiliation. Yeah, that's like, cool. That's yeah. cool. Yeah, you know, if you're gonna have, if you're gonna own a precious metal, I, I, I own tiny little silver dimes. So I've got a big bag of silver dimes. So if, uh, <laughs> if we hit the apocalypse, you're not going to buy a loaf of bread with a, you know, with a gold bar or a gold so coin. Get, a little silver dimes. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> no, no, you know, um, Orange County is a crapshoot for me. I, I, I don't know. And therefore I'm not investing here. Uh, I, I invest out of state because that's where it's more predictable for me. Um, I love living in California. I absolutely adore living in California, but for me, it's more predictable. I, I can look at a place like Florida, for instance, and there's no income tax. And people are, you know, it's got very favorable weather compared to the rest of the country. You know, your average price uh, of a home to purchase is, is four times less than it is here in California. Um, so if the economy goes down, it's gonna be hit there less so than if it is here. Uh, you know, not to say that I wouldn't invest here. I'm just, I'm just not buying the value. I'm not buying the value. So to answer your question more, uh, you know, where's affordability index at? It's not anything is, you know, it, it's still much better than it was in 08. I, I don't see a, a foreseeable future of a crash. Um, uh, interest rates are, are edging down and, and, you know, the employment level is high, but personally, I think that's a little skewed by the fact that I don't know if that's a reliable member anymore. I think there's so many people that just gave up on even looking for work. I think there's, there is a good portion of young men that are just sitting around playing video games in their parents' house. I really do. So, uh, I mean, I think that's a topic for a, a whole other, you know, day. But, uh, you know, what's going to happen when, you know, those guys are going to get kicked out of the house? I don't know. Mm -hmm. you, you never want a society with a bunch of problem young men. Yeah, you don't. Have nothing to do. Well, on that note. No. Uh, oh wow! Uh, no, 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 no. Okay, that, obviously that's the you know, the extreme end. extreme end of it. But um, if there were some words that you could impart to somebody who's listening to this, who's yes. saying, "I haven't started. I don't know where to start." What would you want to tell that person? 
that's why we're doing this. Is it's, you know, Trevor and I both love the course we're on, but uh, you know, we we want to impart this or you know provide some sort of right. uh, a benefit to uh, society. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Especially the underdogs. Okay, we don't want to get a bunch of crisps on the show. Uh, yeah. <laughs> we, do want, we do want the people that have the limiting beliefs to really realize that they, they have unlimited potential out there and that they really can achieve this stuff. But they put in the work and they actually you know believe in the principles and they have the mindset like. It's just a matter of time before things start kind of clicking in. I think the thing is, is, is try to you know have lofty goals, but but try to make it simple for yourself at first. You know, maybe um, if you find yourself going out to dinner all the time, learn them how to make some meals at home so you save some money. Uh, learn to just save just a little bit more of your money, and, and it's like it's boring, but over time it's just compound compounded interest. It's just it's like a it's a miracle, man. And you'll you'll develop a nest egg over time, and, and don't fall into that that trap of uh, lifestyle inflation. Really try to to you know save your money, and and, and don't let your other friends be a bar for your self worth. Uh, I, I I I fortunately have not fallen for that, and and I benefit because of it. Um, you, you can still enjoy some of those things in life, but be very cognizant of it. If if you're working for a company and they've got uh, a match on the 401k by you're just throwing your money away if you're not you know at least investing up to that that company match start looking at Ross Ross are, are one of the best financial tools that you can ever find if you're an entrepreneur you've got to get a self-directed 401k they are huge huge ways uh, to save money you can you can save up to 50 grand a year in a self-directed 401k they're wonderful vehicles again probably a topic for another day but um, Again, think small. Think about how you, over time, can develop a bigger and bigger nest egg, uh, and then you'll get closer and closer to financial independence. Love it. Thank you so much. That's that's an oh, an Edward. Yeah, that's note. an Edward. Yeah. <laughs> not the kids. When are you gonna get out of your parents' basement and get kicked out? Yeah, exactly. Thank you. Right. Thank, Thank you, you so much, sir. Of course. Yeah, that was awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you.